Thanks, David. Thank you to our worship team leading us in worship. And I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start it with verse 28. My name is Jim Lee Hugh, and I'm associate pastor here. And uh, look forward to uh, sharing with you this morning. Pastor Owen asked me to share, and uh, we uh, have our uh, other ministers are going to be sharing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Jeff Hemphill, our new uh, full-time director of uh, discipleship, is going to be sharing next Sunday, and then Jaron Young is going to be sharing the following Sunday. So uh, just to ask you that you pray for us, and we're excited about bringing uh, God's Word to you. As we do, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for as the opportunity that we have to gather. God, I pray that this would not be a time that we look at on our weekly calendar, that uh, we know this is uh, where we're going to be, but God, I pray that uh, this morning is an anticipation that we have the opportunity to be able to worship you, to be able to read your word, to be able to be together as a body of Christ, to pray with one another, to encourage one another. And I pray that uh, this morning the words uh, that uh, you share through Paul, God, uh, would uh, speak to our hearts. Lord, we love you and we give all of these things to you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, look with me at uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, and we're going to read down through uh, chapter 2, verse 5. We proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all those who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding, have the, have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Him. I am saying this so, so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ." As I read this passage from the Apostle Paul, there are some things that immediately come to, to mind about the Apostle Paul. We've heard things about the Apostle Paul being uh, very intellectual, and, and sometimes in Scripture you can get that he was very harsh. In fact, in this passage, in these first few verses you hear in that first uh, verse there, in verse 28, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone. And I think as we read this passage, I want us to kind of get an understanding of the heart uh, behind what Paul is sharing here. Paul's never met uh, those there at Colossae. And uh, uh, they, they don't know Paul. They know who he is, and Paul has every right to be sharing this letter. But I think that Paul is sharing with them out of a, a heart of, of deep love, of concern for them, and almost as if uh, he is kind of, uh, uh, he's encouraging them, he's watching over them. You know, uh, I don't think, uh, we, we have a group of kids here that probably know nothing about handwritten letters. Uh, I grew up, uh, now, I've been here 16 years, so if I share a story that I've shared before, some of you are going to have to put up with me, some of you are going to be like, okay, I heard it and we'll move on. But I want to share this, I grew up uh, out at Cal Farley's Boys Ranch out by Amarillo, my parents were house parents out there, and my dad took, mom and dad took care of 24 boys in the dorm, and then us four boys, and so there was a lot of kids all the time. And one of the big deals about uh, uh, daily that happened was a mail call. Uh, every evening after uh, dinner, we'd come back to the dorm, we'd have muster, and that was where uh, everybody would gather and check off, make sure everybody's in the dorm, nobody's run away, all of that stuff. And, uh, and then we would pass out, they would pass out mail. 
And I want you to know that uh, this was before the days of cell phones, of Facebook, of Twitter, social media, any of that. So it was a big deal for, to, to get a letter because how you were going to speak to a girl was through a letter. And guys, I want to tell you, and, and maybe, maybe this was just where I grew up, I don't know, but girls would send letters. And my dad had a little office between our apartment and the dorm. And uh, there were times where his office would reek of perfume. <laughs> reek of perfume. What would happen is these girls would write letters to these guys, and they would just douse it in perfume. And you'd carry the mail, and you couldn't get the smell off your hands and all of that. And I mean, it just kind of got downright, you know, disgusting when you, th- you think about it. But mail call was a big deal, and getting, and getting letters. And I remember uh, uh, the day I graduated high school, I was 17 years old, and, and I think about Lincoln now, and he's at the age where I left home, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, would he be ready, all of that stuff. And as I left uh, that day, I drove to Tulsa, and I found a little place for 40 bucks a week, a little uh, uh, studio apartment, and uh, I started working that summer, started working, uh, found a construction job to work, and then at nights, I mean, I didn't have anything to do but work, and I didn't have any bills, so I thought, well, I might as well work and make money, and I didn't know a whole lot of people, and the people I did know, they were busy with their lives, so I worked at JCPenney in the, the evenings, and uh, I'll never forget, I, I turned 18 that September, and uh, I, re- I remember thinking, I, I got back to my place and thought, well, this is kind of a bummer, you know, I guess this is what being an adult is all about, you know, you're by yourself, you get, you get there, and I'll never forget, I, I had a letter from my dad. Now, nobody knew where I lived, except my employers and my parents, and, you know, guys, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have have the opportunity to immediately call our parents or anything like that. I remember calling my dad. Anytime I called my parents was a collect call, okay? Anybody, okay? <laughs> Starting to remember people's minds, you know, of remembering what, what, what it was like. I remember going to a Chicago Cubs game and calling my dad in the seventh inning. Dad, we got to listen to Carrie, Harry Carey sing. And, uh, but I called him collect. <laughs> so anytime I called my dad was collect. And I'll never forget that night. I, uh, I got a letter from my dad. And uh, my dad, I never knew him to write a letter to anybody. I mean, I saw him, he had to fill out reports, and a lot of times they were discipline reports and all that stuff. I, I would see him, and his handwriting looked like chicken scratch and all of this stuff. And, and uh, I'll never forget, for my 18th birthday, I received a letter from my dad. And what he shared in there, here's, here's the thing. I wish I still had that letter. At 18 years old, I didn't know the value of that letter. But what I saw in that letter was my dad loved me, and he cared about me, and he wanted the best for me, and he was cheering me on. I get from from, uh, uh, Colossians here, from the Apostle Paul, even though he had never met the Colossians, he's cheering them on. He wants to encourage them. And I felt like after reading that letter, I didn't care what happened. I thought I I could conquer the world knowing that my dad had my back, knowing that that, uh, he had sent that letter. And I think about Paul as he writes to the Colossians here, that he deeply loves them. He loves what he hears about what's taking place in their lives. He loves what he hears about taking place uh, among the, the, the believers there at Colossae. And not only that, he, he loves them, but he also has a concern for them. He's concerned for maybe some of the things that they might be hearing that are kind of trickling its way into the New Testament church. You see, uh, Paul had never been there, but 
uh, Paul, when he was in Ephesus, uh, had been preaching the gospel and uh, had the opportunity to send Epaphras uh, to uh, uh, Colossae, and uh, that was about 100 miles away. And so this was a, a, a planted church, a, basically a, a church plant uh, there in Colossae, and, and Paul is still wanting to encourage them. And I think about, as, so I look at, at down through this passage, and I look at verse 5 when he says, For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. That's Paul is really concerned for them. He loves them, even though he's never met them. He's, he's uh, uh, wanting to be there for them. Now, this was uh, probably wrote about A.D. 60, uh, during Paul's first imprisonment there in Rome. So Paul is confined to prison, uh, the same place where he wrote the prison epistles there, Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon. And uh, although he didn't personally begin the church there at Colossae, he's got this huge concern for them. And Paul encourages the church in Colossae here to grow in maturity, reminding them about the beauty of who Christ is, reminding them the power of the gospel, and urging them to be the church that God's called them to be. Because he'd heard that the Holy Spirit was working in their lives, and he's praying that they would have a full assurance of spiritual wisdom, this full assurance. And we're going to talk through this passage. Looking there in verse 28. When he says, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, Paul's purpose in ministry here is that we, on your outline there, you see proclaim, warning, and teaching. In fact, some of your uh, uh, passages, your, some of your versions of the Bible are going to say different things. But in verse 28 it says, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And some of your versions say, perfect in Christ. Now, I've always really wrestled with that translation of perfect in Christ or mature in Christ. And the reason that I struggle with it is as I get older, I know that there needs to be more and more of a dependency on who Christ is. And, and as I, I can never get to a place in my life where I feel like I've attained enough knowledge or attained enough of, of what God has for me, that he still has more for me. So as I read from my large print Bible uh, and, and think about uh, maturity, it's not always just gray hair and, and uh, uh, getting older and experiencing life more. Maturity is... It's, it's us seeking after the things of God and knowing his heart, knowing him well, and continuing on that pursuit. One of the books that I read when I first came to know the Lord and I moved to Tulsa was um, The Pursuit of Holiness by uh, Jerry Bridges. And in fact, if you ever have the opportunity to pick up any, anything written by Jerry Bridges, I would encourage you to do that. But that pursuit of holiness reminded me as a young man to pursue him with all of my heart, soul, and mind. And I think the sentiment here behind Paul is this proclamation, this warning, this teaching. Uh, Paul identifies himself here in, in chapter 1, verse 25. He says, I become its servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known. Paul is coming to them as a servant. He's not coming to them as somebody who's lording over them. He's coming to serve them, to be able to teach them, to proclaim God's word, warning and teaching. You know, I was driving down uh, uh, 134th recently, and uh, a motorcycle cop, I passed him, and 
He flipped on his lights, and I thought, I wonder who that's for, and he pointed right at me as he passed me, and I thought, oh, that was for me, and it was just a great warning to slow down and make sure I was watching the speed limit. I think as we look at Scripture here, and Paul's desire is that there is a warning, and and we're going to look at in Revelation here, in Revelation chapter 3, about the church at Laodicea. And, uh, and Paul's his proclaiming, his proclamation of God's word. In fact, the heart behind Paul is, I'm even reminded of the verse that Pastor Owen asked us to memorize uh, last year, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Being reminded of what Paul's heart is here. He's not proclaiming Paul, he's proclaiming Christ as Lord. He was a steward of, uh, uh, of, of what God's called him to do. And a steward was, uh, in those days, were, were known as servants. And Paul saw his commission to be able to take God's word and be able to share it with those there at Colossae. He was a servant of God's word. He recognizes that this is his calling, this is what God's called him to do, to be able to share God's word. Paul's mandate is to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And, uh, uh, and looking at Paul, what he does here, the goal of preaching, teaching, and admonishing is to present everyone perfect in Christ, everyone mature in Christ. Now I think about this, I think about Paul wrestling through this, what he desires for them. Here he is in prison there, and, and as he writes this letter with them in mind, he's wanting to protect them from the things that are infiltrating the church maybe some of the things that were were being taught and we're really not given the instruction about all that that was but as we read this passage and he says we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ it's not about us being perfect in fact I don't think we will ever reach perfection until we're in Christ's presence but we're to be mature in Christ we're to grow in an understanding of who God's word is I told you earlier that I left home when I was 17 and and uh, I knew nothing uh, and uh, I remember being invited to a golf tournament uh, there at Memorial Baptist Church in Tulsa and the guys were doing a golf tournament now some of, the thing, some of the stories that I may share, my kids are going to be like, he's always been a dork, okay? So just a reminder here. So I show up at this golf tournament. I had no golf clubs. I knew nothing about golf, but I thought, well, I'll try it. I realized after I was standing on the green that you're not supposed to stand on the green with football cleats on. Um, I had seen these golfers wear shoes that were appropriate for golf. I didn't realize that they weren't cleats. And so the only thing that I had that resembled what golfers wore were cleats. And so, uh, so yeah, so now my kids are like, he's always been a dork. And, and, and I remember that. And, and you know what it took for me to, to be able to do that? It took me to, to go through that experience to realize, you know what, I, now I know what golf shoes are. I remember working for the construction company and, you know, every big yellow uh, machine that you see is not a diesel. Okay, don't ask me how I know that every big yellow machine that you see on the road is not a diesel. So when the boss asks you to go fill it up, not everything is diesel. Okay, so you learn these things through experience. Us being mature in Christ, not that we're going to be presented perfect in Christ, but we're to be presented, we're to be mature in Christ. We begin to understand the things of God. We begin to understand his attributes. We begin to seek more of him so that we can understand more of him. That's what Paul's after here for these believers here in Colossae. Um, Look at uh, verse uh, 29 there. I labor for this, striving with this strength that works powerfully in me. 
Paul's, uh, I, I see him, uh, just his, his, I feel like his, his heart, his stomach is just churning and, and wanting for them to be able to know God's word. I'm thankful that we have a pastor who's seeking after the Lord, that's seeking to make sure that we are able to, to study God's word. And I'm thankful that, uh, that we as a church uh, have the opportunity to be able to dig into God's word on a weekly basis through uh, faithful proclamation of God's word from the pulpit through faithful teaching of our Sunday school teachers, through small groups, through all the different things that we have the opportunity to be able to do. And then he says uh, here, I labor for this striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Paul knew that it wasn't his strength that was going to be able to sustain him. It was God's strength and God's alone. His dependency was on God. His dependency was not on Paul and who he was and the experiences that he had. His dependency was on Christ and Christ alone. And then I want us to look at verse uh, uh, chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. Look at Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 with me. You know, uh, last year I had the opportunity to be able to go to Phoenix, and uh, we were out there with our son's baseball team, and, and as we were there, one of the things I wanted to do is 15 years ago, we had gone to, we'd, Emmaus had helped start a church in the Phoenix area. So I wanted to, to visit, so Kenny and I, Kenny Noble and I went over to, uh, to visit this church, which well, no longer there. It's another church that's completely taken it over and all of that. And so immediately I began to wonder, what, what, where's Emmaus going to be at in 15 years? Where am I going to be at in 15 years of, of searching the Lord and seeking Him? And here you see Paul when he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. Why is Paul concerned about this teaching that could be infiltrating the church? And I think we find the answer through what we see about the church, written about the church of Laodicea here in Revelation chapter 3. In verse 14, it says, Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation, says, To the church, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I've become wealthy and need nothing, and you don't know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shamefulness, nakedness not be exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be committed and repent. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. The victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne. The description of that, that, Paul, that, that is given here of the church of Laodicea, Paul's concerned about them. And so this concern that Paul has about the church of Laodicea, the church here at Colossae, we see why he's concerned because of what we read in Revelation chapter 3. The concern that he has for this, this teaching infiltrating the churches is that it starts to seep in and then you can become, you could be described as that of what we read about the church there in Laodicea in chapter 3. Paul's portrayed here by some of the people to be a, a man who 
was cold, intellectual, uh, arrogant, brash, obnoxious, confrontive. I don't think that that's what Paul's heart is here. Paul's never met these people who's writing. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea. Paul has a concern for these believers there in this church at Colossae. And I want to ask us these questions here. Do we see that concern in ourselves? Do we see some of the characteristics that we see Paul sharing about here in in Colossians? Do we see this in his letter? Do we see that in ourselves? Do we have Paul's purpose to be able to strive to to, uh, seek him, to, to be pushing for unity, to be pushing for maturity? Are we committed to that kind of striving? Are we reliant on the strength that Paul's relying on? Are we reliant on God's strength? Do we have a care for one another like Paul did? He goes on to say, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. You know, as Paul writes this, and he, and he gets into Colossians chapter uh, 2, and verses 1 and 2, we begin to see that he gives us some things here about this this proclamation, this warning, this teaching. And uh, he wants their hearts to be encouraged. He wants to see spiritual encouragement. So there on your outline, the next one is uh, spiritual encouragement. You know, there's a saying that says, if you want to be disappointed, look at others. If you want to be disheartened, look at yourself. But if you want to be encouraged, look at Christ. And Paul's writing here, I I want their hearts to be encouraged. How is it that... We can encourage them. How is it that he can encourage them? And it's simply this. It's seek Christ. Seek after the mystery that has been made known. It's Christ. In verse 27, that mystery that's Christ in you. To be seeking after him. Paul wants them to find the encouragement in Christ and Christ alone. And he doesn't just leave them hanging there with that thought because he begins to fill that in, that spiritual encouragement. What does that look like? He says, be joined together in love, this mutual love. Be joined together in love. Paul's desire for the strengthening of the hearts of the believers and his desire that they would be knit together in love because the maturing Christian is involved in loving fellowship. You know, here at Emmaus, I want to encourage us. If you're not involved in a small group, if you're not involved in a Sunday school class or anything else, and this is your only experience together with the body of Christ, I want to encourage you to seek to go deeper with a smaller group of people. I want to seek to encourage you to, to seek to, to pray with one another, to uh, share your story with one another, to, to encourage one another. That Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 that Paul, that's written, uh, being, uh, uh, be encouraged, be, I just lost it. <laughs> be encouraged. I, I just totally lost Hebrews ten twenty four. Therefore, if anyone being no, that's not it. That's Second Corinthians five seventeen. Okay, I'm going to stay away from it. Okay, and Paul wants this uh, encouragement to be there, and then uh, to be to be uh, in mutual love, love that isn't puffed up, love that isn't arrogant, love that doesn't look out for its own but for the interest of others, love that is selfless, selfless, love that builds true fellowship among the bonds of, of believers, love that crosses culture, love across nationality and race and all the other things that divide us. You know, Pastor Owen last week got up and he, and he shared one of his points was, are we uh, a, a Pharisee or are we a prodigal? 
And he talked about us as a church being uh, Pharisees. And he you know, mentioned he himself being a Pharisee. And I've got to agree with, with me in, in looking at that. When I look at, for, for me, I find myself in that camp. And, and the reason that I find myself in that camp is, is that uh, us going out beyond these doors, you don't have to go very far, that you, you see a lost and dying world that's in desperate need of Christ. And in that lost and dying world, there are people who who are different from us. Last uh, couple of weeks ago, we had a group come in of 105th and 6th graders that went to a, apartment complexes in our community. Some of those people uh, uh, that they worked with, some of the kids prayed to receive Christ, and we've been following up with them and, and visiting them. And part of what we're going to be doing this week with Mission Emmaus is to go out to some of these same apartment complexes and follow up with these families and, and to be able to visit them. But there's, there's a difference, there's a... a, a a separation there, in my opinion, and my, my opinion is this, is that there is a separation from the world and the church. And the only reason that is there is because we're not going into the world. We're not going to where God has called us to go. It's not because they're not coming. I firmly believe it's because we're not going. And when we go... Here's some of the things that I think that we're going to experience. We're going to experience people who disagree with us. We're going to experience people who are not living lifestyles that we agree with. We're going to experience uh, all kinds of different people. And here's the beauty of God's Word. God's Word is for everyone. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. And everyone has the opportunity to be able to hear that message. And the only way that they're going to be able to hear that message of Christ is through you and me. And as I share that with you, I mean, I'm immediately, the, the fingers are pointing right back at me. Jim, what are you doing? I, I, and I've shared this in front of you before, and this is something I continually wrestle with is, are we sharing our faith? Are we telling others about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we telling them and allowing them to be able to have the opportunity to, to hear the message of Christ, to be able to repent and come to Christ as their Savior and Lord, and being totally dependent on who Christ is? We are characterized by mutual love with one another. Our priority, our love for one another, trans sins, those things that make us different. The beauty of the body of Christ is that we aren't alike, that we aren't exactly the same. The beauty of the, the body of Christ is that Christ does a redeeming work in our lives, and he does it in anybody's life who calls on the name of the Lord, who repents of their sins and calls on the name of the Lord. He, wants, he desires to do that, and you and I need to get on board with where God's called us to be to be going out and telling us to be able to share his love. We love one another because that's what our Savior said would characterize followers of Christ. Behold how they love one another. And Jesus said, they will know that you have been with me because you have love for one another. Love isn't just a feeling or emotion. It's a feeling and an action join. Love is deliberate. It's ceaseless. It's longing for. It's a pursuit of the loved one's welfare us pursuing one another in love. Christian love is the great, a, a great mark of our lives as believers. 
We can measure that love for one another in our attitudes towards one another. We can measure it in our prayers for one another. We can measure it in our uh, assistance of one another in time of need. Having that opportunity, the, the love of, of Christ is not meant just for those who walk through these doors. We have the opportunity to be able to take the message of Christ uh, beyond these doors. So that mutual love for one another, let that speak volumes about who Christ is among us. And here's one of the things that I've discovered over time, and, you, and I don't think that we have to go very far, but when we begin to, to love one another, you know what? It's going to require something of us. It's going to require time. It's going to require effort. It may be exhausting. But here's the beauty of that. That Hebrews 10.24, let us encourage one another and provoke one another into love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but encouraging each other until the day of Christ's return. That's, that's, that's Hebrews 10.24 and 25, all right? But us encouraging one another until the day of Christ's return. And you know what? In that, in those trenches, things aren't always pretty. Things aren't always glamorous. Things aren't always perfect. Ministry is going to be messy. And we come alongside one another in our hurts. We come alongside one another when we're dealing with sin. We come alongside one another and we, we walk with one another through that. Let that be a testimony of this body of Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding, a full assurance that they would know so there's this spiritual encouragement that comes from mutual love that they would have all the riches of, uh, of assured understanding. What are the riches? How is it that we become rich from assured understandings, full that, from that full assurance? It's because when I know Christ, I'm confident in who He is and I'm confident of where I am in Him. When I begin to discover more things about Christ, you know, it's interesting. It seems like over the last few years, the term fake news has crept its way into our society in, in incredible, at an incredible lightning speed. And you, you can go Google or look on Wikipedia for fake news, and they're going to give you uh, direct results. But they even go back to fake news, of, of fake news back before uh, when, when Christ was walking the earth. I mean, this is on uh, Wikipedia, and you can, you can look on, on uh, uh, things like that, that that talk about fake news. I'm not talking about looking at anything else, but looking at how far fake news goes back and, and how people have lied and shared stories. And, and the only way that you're going to be able to have a full assurance of the truth of that matter is to know the source, to be able to know what's taking place. For us as believers, we have the source in God's Word. We have the source in Christ and Christ alone. That's where our source is, and that's where our full assurance comes from, is knowing Christ and knowing who He is and knowing how He works in our lives and, and getting to know Him better. And then it says, and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. That true knowledge, being disciplined. That true knowledge, knowing the mystery of Christ. How is it that we're going to have full assurance? Is for us to be able to have a true knowledge of who Christ is. I want to encourage us to do something, um, and, and this, in fact, when we gather together, uh, we are constantly um, looking at God's Word, we're praying together, but I want to be us to be reminded of us individually and corporately, some of those things that we are to do, uh, and they're called spiritual disciplines. You know, 
praying. I, I had one of our uh, young adults, uh, Cody and Tara, had just gone to a family camp, and Cody mentioned something to me that uh, their speaker said and, uh, at, uh, at Pine Cove, where Bailey works. And, uh, and one of the things he mentioned was, as a parent, talking about parenting and leading your uh, kids and you're leading your family spiritually, and he, and he uh, mentioned that uh, the speaker had shared that uh, when we mess up, we get up and we do it again. If I were to ask us, men, when was the last time that you prayed with your wife? When was the last time that we prayed together? When was the last time that we prayed with our family? And we allow that shame to kind of consume us, and, we're not, and we allow that to be able to control us instead of, you know what? I'm just going to try it again. I'm going to keep, if I'm going to mess up, I'm going to keep going again. And those spiritual disciplines. So when we talk about these spiritual disciplines, I don't want you looking at this, well, I'm just not very good at that. I don't want you looking at this as, well, this isn't really for me. Uh, I, 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 I don't know how to do that. I want you to know that as we look at these spiritual disciplines, they're to continue to try, to be able to continue to work on prayer, being able to pray alone, be able to pray corporately. Uh, some of these spiritual activities are not uh, uh, activities. They're, they're, uh, they're activities. They're not attitudes. Spiritual disciplines are things that we do. Reading God's Word. Being able to read God's word for it. You know, it, this passage, this uh, book in, Coloss- in Colossians starts with Paul and Timothy. And uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, For all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. I want to encourage us as a church family to continue to, to dig into God's word and see what it has for you. And you may be saying, you know what, I don't know. Every time I start on that journey, I may read for a couple of days and I kind of get either bored with it or I kind of get lost in, in not understanding what God's Word is saying. I want to invite you on a simple journey with us as a church. Just uh, this uh, next month, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. I want to encourage you uh, for the next couple of weeks as, as Jeff and Jaron come up to preach that you read Ephesians chapter, or, I mean, Colossians chapter 2. And you continue to, to just read that and soak it in. And, and as they are able to teach on Sunday mornings, be able to maybe bring to light some of the things of what God's Word says. I want to encourage us to do that together. Read through Colossians chapter 2. In the month of August, all of our Sunday school classes, our adult classes and our youth classes, are going to be going through the book of uh, uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And so I want to encourage us as a church family to dig into the book of Colossians, looking at Colossians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 3. That's something I think that's very simple for us to be able to walk away from here being able to do. I remember after the uh, tornado in 2013 and standing here in front of you as a church and we were just devastation was everywhere and and there was just a, a, a readiness uh, to, to be able to, to fix something, to be able to get things taken care of. And I remember saying to everybody, just uh, go out the door and find somewhere to go and be Christ, be, be a, a reflection of Christ wherever you do. And it wasn't a great plan. Now it was a great overall plan, but it was not a great specific plan to be able to walk out the door and uh, even though all this devastation is there, really to not know what to do or not know what you could do. And so how is it that we came alongside and be able to help put people to work? Well, here, as we read God's Word, some of us, we walk out of here and we look at God's Word 
And we begin to think, I can get so lost in this, and I begin to not understand what it is that God's saying. And I just want to give you kind of a, a step here. You can look at it as, uh, these are your, your cleats, and you didn't know a whole lot about to, uh, this. And as we read through Colossians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 3, you're beginning to understand what it is. So I want to invite you, that's something simple that, uh, that we can do. Yes, it's an activity, but my prayer is that this would allow us to be able, our hearts to be drawn to Christ. And what Paul's saying here to the church at Colossae, he's saying to us, um, praying, uh, fasting, us being able to fast, fasting not just from food, but from electronics, from, from things that are, that are consuming us, that are taking our minds off of who Christ is, that are allowing us to be able to fill our time Filling those voids and not with Christ, but with things, other things that are taking our time away from Him. Being able to worship, being able to worship Him, worshiping corporately, worshiping privately. What does that look like? Beginning to, to explore that and, and to see uh, what that looks like for you. To be able to serve. Being able to serve together is probably one of the most incredible things um, that we have. Uh, to do as a body of Christ because we have the opportunity to be able to get to know one another. You get to know somebody that maybe is not in your Sunday school class. Maybe you get to know somebody who's a different generation. I want to encourage this, and Pastor Owen's always encouraging us that we want to, across generational lines, we want to see our older and our younger to be able to be together, to be discipled, and to be able to build those relationships. And serving is a great way to be able to do that. There are all kinds of opportunities to be able to serve. And I want to encourage you to always ask and feel free to ask, and we'll put these things in front of you, but uh, to, for us to be able to serve together. And then the opportunity to be able to learn together, uh, to be able to learn what God's Word is saying and what, what He has for us. This isn't about doing, but being. Being like Christ, being with Christ. These are activities, yes. And I think sometimes that people can even get caught up in the activity consuming them, that they're more about the activity than they are about who uh, it's for and, and being able to understand it's about growing in our relationship with Christ. Disciplining yourself for the purpose of godliness is what 1 Timothy 4, 7 says. We're not godly because we, we um, practice spiritual disciplines because the Pharisees did that. These are a means for us to be able to grow in our relationship with Christ. There are means for us to be able to grow in godliness. Practicing these disciplines with the right motivation leads for, to us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So what's the heart behind what Paul is saying here? I see not somebody who's wanting to uh, preach at them. I see a concern for this, this false teaching that could be infiltrating the church and his concern is for them that they don't get uh, uh, sidetracked by some of the things that they're hearing, but they continue to stay focused on who Christ is and who Christ alone is. He says for, in verse 4, I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. God desires for us to be in that one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him. He desires for us not to be stuck at the point of salvation when we trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior. He desires for us to be growing in our relationship with Him. And I've, I've learned too, and, and sadly I've learned it in my own life, that just because we have gray hair doesn't mean that we're more mature in Christ. 
Just because we're older in age doesn't mean that we have, uh, that we're more mature in Christ. I've met some of our young adults, some of our teenagers that have taught me more about who Christ is. And I just want to, this is a call for us as the body of Christ to seek him, to pursue him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And no matter where you are on that journey of your relationship with Christ, that we're continuing to grow, we're continuing to mature in our faith, so that nobody's going to be able to lead us astray. Nobody's going to be able, and, and it's being bombarded at us on a daily basis. You, you, we're carrying around our phones with this information that's constantly bombarding us. We're scrolling through. We're clicking on the fake news. We're clicking on stories about, uh, uh, that are, are taking us away from our focus on who Christ is. And I want to ask us to be intentional about seeking after the Lord our God and for us to be able to grow in our relationship with Him, us growing in maturity. Let's pray. Father, uh, this morning as we... Uh, come before you. Lord, I know that uh, Paul's heart here is for the church there at Colossae that they would be growing in spiritual maturity. God, I pray that for us here at Emmaus that we would never be satisfied with where we are spiritually. God, I pray that there would be a, a, a thirst, a desire to seek after you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And Father, there may not be that desire there because there's no relationship. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as personal Lord and Savior, Lord, that they would be able to, to uh, repent of their sins, to be able to seek you, call on you to be Lord. Father, I pray that uh, you just be, would be with us in these moments as we uh, focus on you and our personal relationship with you. God, that uh, as we walk through these doors, that we would be reminded of who you've called us to be, the church. That we wouldn't be sucked into what uh, empty philosophies or deceit, but God, we would be seeking you. We love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.